Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Shares for beginners. Also, the psychology and addressing and understanding what's happening inside your head, your thoughts and emotions. What, what are the thoughts? What is your inner critic voice? Everybody's got one, right? In different areas of their life. And it very often, like our inner critic, when we're trying to change a habit, is persistently black and white. They're like, you failed to give up, or you're not the kind of person who can do this. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. How can behavioural science help change your attitude to money? Why is it so hard to act and think on our personal finances? Joining me today is Lily Sussman, Chief Strategy Officer at Wiser. Hello, Lily. Hello, Phil. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming along. We've actually been chatting here for about uh, 20 minutes before the interview, so... That's okay. We'll I hope just we've pretend still got to s- start afresh. Yeah, that's right. I hope <laughs> we've still got something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> Wiser is Australia's first neo-lender and a fintech that builds products, apps and services to help Australians with their money. So before we get into it, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm originally from China, and I moved to the U.S. when I was almost nine. And I went to middle and high school in the Hudson Valley, so which is about 90 minutes north of New York City. And then when it was time to get to university, I actually went to the U.K., um, and I studied at Oxford. And that was eye-opening because it was such a different culture yet again. <laughs> Even though I spoke English, you know, not British English, but... Um, absolutely wonderful and a beautiful experience and kind of gave me a taste for how much I love just being able to experience different cultures and be challenged like that. And, you know, I I immigrated to Australia about eight and a half years ago and now have the privilege of being a citizen here. And, you know, it's another eye-opening experience. And I've worked uh, across many countries, uh, Canada, US, um, UK, China, Australia, and I've done lots of different things. I have a number of different degrees, which means a lot of education that I don't use every day. I've worked in public, private, and not-for-profit sectors in a range of industries. And I think, you know, I'm sort of a generalist. Um, What I like to do is just be really creative and solve human problems. So I believe that you've, there's experiences in your life which have really informed the way that you're approaching life right now. Yes, five and a half years ago, I uh, had a traumatic brain injury uh, due to something falling on my head on an airplane. And it really changed me. It really was so confronting. And I lost my brain. And I had the experience of someone who didn't have a functioning brain. And then I had to build it up back over the course of years and through that it really deepened my compassion and my I guess love for everybody who is suffering in some way which is all of us how how long did it take to recover and how 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 bad did it get well I you know when it was bad 
I couldn't read. I couldn't um, listen to anything. I couldn't walk on the street. I couldn't parent. I, I really couldn't do anything. <laughs> so it was it was very very difficult. But and it's taken me years. I'd say I'm still recovering. But um, I'm working full time now. Um, I feel like I have a lot more brain energy for both work and life now. So I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the recovery and for the experience and all the lessons. And it's absolutely made me who I am. And it's made me really committed to helping to heal what suffering there is. And I know there's so much suffering out there. And um, it kind of makes me, reminds me of my purpose and what I absolutely love to do when I think about it. So it's actually a reason to be grateful. So your education, work experience, and experiences otherwise now inform the work that you do at Wiser. Tell us a bit more about that. I am really excited to be here because I always love talking about um, our purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Wiser is a purpose-led company, and our purpose is financial wellness, wellness which I think of as, as financial health. And I think, you know, it's something that we're really, really passionate about. And I know more and more people are getting really interested in, but something the financial sector actually hasn't explored too much because um, traditional financial services really are about financial services and are about the financial system and less about helping people and humans have a really good experience with relationship with money in a way that actually makes them financially healthy or financially well. Because when we think about financially healthy or financially well, we're thinking about money. Like, oh, do we just have enough money that makes me financially well? But all the research actually shows that's not the case. Mm. You know, and how many of us really feel like we have enough money, regardless of how much money we actually have. So uh, it's an interesting field. And it very much touches on what you started with, which is it really is about the human brain and human behavior and our deeper relationship with money and psychology. That's really why I'm here to really talk more about that and to talk about the paradox of money and financial health, because I think it's deeply mysterious and ill understood and yet so important. So I want to start a fresh conversation in our culture about it. So what is the paradox? Ooh, so, well, we think that money is the solution. Like money is the problem and money is the solution. But money's not the problem and money's not the solution. But we need to take money more seriously because it's a valuable resource that we can manage well or not well and that will help get us to really understanding the problem and the solution. And for most of us, you know, the problem is that um, we, we are often struggling with money. We feel like we don't have enough. We don't feel secure. We don't feel free. Um, money comes in and then disappears, goes out. You know, and it's really stressful. And we feel like there's something that other people knows that we don't know. So the paradox is kind of like we know that it's a stressor, but we're approaching it like a mathematical, rational thing when it's not. It's an emotional thing, and it's very much about our brains and our hidden habits. And how do we turn that conversation into so, a very so the, one? So a spreadsheet's not the answer then? <laughs> no, there's so much evidence showing that budgeting does not work for the people that it doesn't work for. Really? Is that like weight loss where people go on a diet and then they put it back on again? That's The diet is not the solution. Is that the same thing with a budget? Absolutely. So restrictive dieting doesn't work 
right? And we all have known that crash dieting doesn't work. Lots of us have had the experience of, I want to lose weight. I resolve to do something. I join the gym. I start a diet. And I'm excited for one day. The next day I'm sore or I'm hungry and I just give up, you know. Um, a lot of all or nothing thinking. And those approaches don't work. You can't just go in and change something as established as a set of behaviors saying not exercising or not eating in a certain way. We can't just make that habit change. Like that's just not how the brain changes. You know, those are very often deeply entrenched established neuropathways where you'd have to build a fresh and different neuropathway that ends in a dopamine hit with a positive reinforcement mechanism and that has to happen over and over again and it's going to build a competing pathway with the old one and that takes time and repetition and all those behaviors are already established and so to change them you'll have to work with your brain to do it you can't just go make a resolution get a spreadsheet get work out a budget and do it that's just literally going to be against the way your brain wants to live where do these behaviors come from how do they get developed what what's what have you seen amongst um, your research it's a question of multiple layers because at the very most important like simple layer every behavior is a result of something called your behavior chain which is trigger, thought or emotion, action and consequence. And so the things that you can affect are the thoughts and emotions and the triggers. The consequences are set by the actions that you do. So everybody has different triggers for specific behaviors. You know, you might have emotional triggers, you might have social uh, pressure triggers, you might have environmental triggers, you might have, you know, physical triggers, like, um, let's say that, you know, something I do is when I'm on the train, you know, sometimes I am online shopping. And the trigger for that behavior, which is the action, is that I'm bored. I'm sitting on the train and I'm bored. And I don't know what to do with myself. And I'm not going through an extensive investigation of my options because this is routinely what I do. It's just my brain's taking the shortcut and I'm doing the habitual thing, which is I'm going to shop. And doing that makes me feel useful. You know, shopping can feel like a useful thing to do and something that seems like it's a reasonable solution to the problem of boredom. So we develop these habits and then they become unconscious. We don't even know we have them. And then sometimes they just totally kill the wallet. And then you realize that, you know, where did it all go? You know, I worked really hard and I got all this pay, but then where did it all go? Mm. And it went to unconscious habits and it should be unconscious because that's how the brain's designed. Mm. So to change that, it's really about building awareness of the behavior chain. And what about parents? People often learn their money behaviors from parents as well, and they, they become even more deeply ingrained, don't they? Absolutely. So we talked about the behavior chain, which is your triggers, your thoughts and emotions, actions. But where did that come from? Mm. Right? Why do you have the um, thoughts and emotions that you do have in response to those triggers? Very often they are learned and they're inherited thoughts and emotions. You know, there are things that we've copied growing up and again, that's very unconscious because we, we, our brains are formed at a early age mm -hmm. and we don't know that they are being formed. So a lot of stuff, um, you know, as we age and we 
form our own families of origin. We start having to unpack and investigate the family of origins that we had come from and said, well, okay, what do I want to keep versus throw out? What's working for me? What's not working for me? And a lot of our money behavior chains and the thoughts and emotions there are inherited. And then when we examine them, we're like, wait a minute, is this really helping me? You know, is this even me? Um, and very often the answer is no, but you have to go through that process of conscious investigation for that to bubble up. Mm. Because otherwise it's just, it's there, right? It's unconscious and it's there and you don't even know how it's acting upon your behavior. So what's this, what happens? What do you think is the trigger for people? Actually, before we even go on to the next question, I just want to say, um, I want to talk to listeners about why we've got you on a, a podcast about the share market. But um, I think people have actually got to get to the stage where they've got enough money to invest. And often they can't even start investing because they don't even have an emergency fund. They don't have any savings. They've got nothing left over because they get to the next week's pay packet and there's nothing left. It's all been spent. So yeah. this is a really important point, isn't it, for people to understand before they can actually start to invest. I think it's important for everybody because just because you have money to invest doesn't mean that you don't feel like you need more money. I mean, most of us feel like we're not secure enough yet, like we're not taken care of for life, you know, and we're not as free as we want to be. And there's all these kind of things we'd love to do if we had more money, right? So I don't think it's just for um, those of us who have that perpetual experience of money coming in and all going out, even for those of us that have, you know, things left over, like, you know, you've you're building a deposit or you already have property, you know, but you still want to grow your wealth more, you know, and you want to understand how to invest and not just not just kind of do the basics, but, you know, be even more savvy. I feel like that's everybody and that's really common. And the feeling of stress around money and feeling like, okay, um, I need more. Um, it's still stressful. How do I get more? Am I going to be happier if I have more same persistent issue so money is kind of a just a central problem because even when you have it you're like well what do I do with it am I doing the right things with it you know why am I still not happy you know uh, I think the psychology of money it doesn't leave us there's also the comparison thing as well isn't it because you're often got a, you're in a group of people and a group of friends and of various means, you know, some people have been born with, you know, a fair bit of money and there's the comparison going on as well. And you want to match your lifestyle with the social group that you're in as well. And you want to go to those overseas weddings that your friends are going to and all of that. And this can be huge drawdowns on the money that um, you're trying to live on and um, build for yourself, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. And social pressure is one of the biggest triggers. Um, that cause us to feel like we have to use our money in a certain way. Mm. But just knowing that that is a trigger, knowing that you probably have an automatic response, like you've got a thought which is like, uh, I have to do this, does not mean that it can't be changed. Mm. You know, it's you can't be hard on yourself because you're engaging in social comparison because we're hardwired to engage in social comparison. Mm. So it's okay to do that. However, there's also a lot of room for us to create our own independent space to say, okay, I've compared and I have this initial reaction that, you know, I wish I were more like that or I wish I could or, but then I don't actually have to follow that thought that came up. 
but is it helpful to me? And what are my own values? What is enough for me? What's my vision of a good life? Because if we don't start working on that and defining that, then we're just constantly captive, not only to social comparison, but all the other triggers there are, like a lot of marketing, constantly bombarded by environmental triggers and marketing, right? We're gonna be really captive to all of that, and that's where all of our money's gonna go. You know, there's some people who are just sort of wholehearted people and they're like, yeah, I know my house isn't as big or yeah, I know my house is a bit messy and, but I'm just really, I'm content, like I'm grateful, you know? And that is not because they have more money than everybody else. It's because they've done the work of figuring out their money psychology and they've aligned their money and their money habits to what really matters to them. Even sometimes when people accuse them of being cheapskates. Of course, and they're allowed to. And there's a lot of pressure, you know, there's a lot of pressure from people, you know, and you don't want to be called a cheapskate, do you? No, well, you don't want to be thought badly of by Mm. anyone on any dimension, right? And and that's why social triggers are, um, in some cases, the most difficult triggers to change a behavior chain. But again, being aware of that Mm. and... Really I, I guess it's also focusing it. what you want and need out of life, isn't it? It comes down to that. It is. And I think, you know, if you call me a cheapskate, right, I, I have to first accept that that's okay. That's from your perspective, right? But I also know that it isn't me being parsimonious and greedy and not caring about you. And that's what cheapskate implies. It means I'm selfish and mm. I'm more concerned about my own money hoarding than I am about taking care of you and our friendship. That's kind of what it implies, right? Which is the last thing you want to feel as a friend. But what you but you can know that actually I do love you as a friend. And I'm not not buying this. I'm not saying no to rounds because I don't love my friends, right? I love you, but I'm showing it in a different way. Mm. Right. And that requires a conversation. And you can't just expect someone to go and have that conversation. It's awkward. So we need a lot of help to have those conversations, which is why, you know, uh, I think we're doing the work that we're doing, recognizing that there's this huge need out there. Mm. How do you respond to all these triggers in a different way? How do you actually get coached to go on this journey and change that? It isn't doesn't just happen. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wiser draws on the research of clinical and research psychologists. How is that information used in the information that you're trying to impart to customers? Oh, so we've worked with researchers and psychologists to develop our coaching because what we've done is taken proven interventions and then use tech to digitize them so it can become both affordable and scalable. Mm. And there's nothing out there that really marries psychology and behavior science with money. So we've done a lot of 
uh, adaptation of the proven interventions for how do you change human behavior on any dimension and how do you help someone walk into their own psychology in a light way, but using tech to do it. So what we found is people were all super busy and you know frantic running around every day taking care of our kids, trying to get you know to work on time and nobody has a lot of time. Mm. So if change is going to be effective, it has to take no time. So it's, you know, we've built it so that the experience of getting coached is only five minutes a day, super snappy, mm. you know, and if you skip days, that's okay because we're all human. I guarantee you, you will skip days, you know, it's not linear, but um, there's also using tech and accountability mechanism there. It's always in your phone, you know, you get notifications, like you're reminded, you know, you know, it's there. And over time you develop the habit of um, using that, just doing your coaching, you know, as part of a routine, like drink my morning coffee, do my coaching, and then it gets in your head, right? It starts changing over time. And then there's all these actions in the app, like we work on one habit at a time. And the biggest habits people come in have said, okay, the first habit I want to work on is how much I use buy now, pay later, or the number of times that I do takeaway, which I just feel like it's too much, or um, clothes shopping, or buying stuff online, or uh, dining out. And you know, these are habits that I just feel like it would be better if I maybe scaled them down. But how do you do that? It's really hard. So the app actually supports you to do that and uses the five minutes of psychology to do it. So we've digitized a proven science of behavior change and we've turned it into bite-sized format that uses tech to make it effective and to make it engaging and to make it always with you so that you've got the step-by-step guidance. You can make money goals a reality. It's not just like a goal-setting workshop or it's not like confirming that, yes, I would like to buy a house. But it's like, how? How do you actually, what am I going to change in my day-to-day such that that becomes a reality, right? Instead of it being like 10 years away, it becomes three years away because I'm making concrete changes. But I can't just make those changes because my brain is on autopilot. It's unconscious. So I really need a lot of help. And that's what we're here for. And that's what the Wiser Today app is all about. Hmm. Takeaway. It's a real problem, is it, for people? Yeah. I mean, people, people are working hard, you know. Sometimes they feel like I've, you know, I haven't got the energy left to cook a meal at the end of the day. And it's just easy to call up and get the, the delivery. Exactly. Who mm. does? Of course. You know, all of our habits uh, probably evolved to solve a, a problem. And it's interesting to delve into what that problem is. And are there other ways to solve it? that we can practice and then get positively reinforced for that actually feel better. Mm. And oftentimes there are, right? But you're not, you don't need to go from, okay, I do takeaway every day to I'm going to start cooking every night. Like that's not, that's, that's kind of like trying to go on a crash diet, you know? Mm. Behavior change is about baby steps. It's about realistic little baby steps that are positively reinforced. So it's not going to be that, but it could be like, I've resisted one takeaway this week. I've actually, you know, bought a pre-made meal from the grocery store mm. or, or something else. You know, there's lots of creative ways. So we would work, you know, the, the guidance in the app, it's interactive. Like you'll sort of work out what works for you and based on your own triggers, your own psychology, how that habits lives and fits into your life routine. It really needs to work for your everyday you know, if I never had the habit of going to the gym, right? I and but my news resolution is I I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up for a gym membership and I'm gonna go to the gym. 
if I try to do more than baby step, like I'm like, duh, I'm just, I'm energetic today. I've just signed up. I'm going to do an hour long class. What I'm going to be really sore tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> and maybe I can keep up my motivation and come back tomorrow. But then really I'm sore and I'm done, you know, and I was like, ah, I can't make myself stick to this. Forget it, you know. Mm. Um, so you can really easily go too hard too fast and that's a human tendency because we just want quick results and we're very impatient right but again like that's against how the brain actually wants to change which is only a little bit at a time Mm. um and kind of meandering (laughs) and so successful change is really about baby steps and and most importantly celebrating yourself taking baby steps the problem is that we we're really used to all or nothing thinking black and white thinking we're like either i've succeeded or if i haven't i failed right if i'm trying to diet but i ate fried chicken and beer and now i'm gonna give up my diet because what's the point i already ruined it right that's black and white thinking that's like i've i've had a slip up and it's ruined whereas baby steps is like yeah i have fried chicken and beer but for lunch i had some veggies awesome you know Yesterday, I didn't have veggies or had more of it. Like, you got to celebrate the things you are doing and especially the small things as opposed to focus on the things you're not doing or your slip-ups because negative reinforcement does not generate behavior change. How does positive reinforcement work in that situation where you're trying to stop yourself from doing a certain behavior? Yeah, so one of the things we built into the app, like we have a habit tracker as one of the features, so we work on one habit at a time. Let's say you're like, you know what, I actually spend a bunch of money buying a couple of coffees a day Mm. and i love my coffee i don't want to give it up altogether but maybe i don't need to be buying four coffees a day like maybe i'll just scale it down a bit right that could be a goal for a habit change so if you're doing that you really need to have a way of really quickly and easily tracking okay i was tempted and at this moment i wanted to have a coffee but i didn't that is something to be positive reinforced for, right? Whereas if I'm just constantly berating myself for the coffees I did have, I'm just gonna, that's not gonna make me wanna change. Whereas if somebody's there celebrating me for the fact that I could have, but I didn't, then I'm more motivated to do it tomorrow. So positive reinforcement is about the little things. It's like I was tempted, I noticed it, and then I didn't, and I'm really proud of that. And you've got a reason for being proud of it as well, presumably. Yeah, well, that's, that's the, I think our brains tend to be very self-critical. That's right, exactly. Because it's very hard to positively reinforce yourself exactly. because we've got that inner, that inner dialogue going on all the time telling us how, how crap we are often. Exactly. Mm. So that's why I'm saying also the psychology and addressing and understanding what's happening inside your head, your thoughts and emotions. What, what are the thoughts? What is your inner critic voice? Everybody's got one, right, in different areas of their life. Mm. And it very often like our inner critic when we're trying to change a habit is persistently black and white. They're like, you failed, give up. You know, you didn't do this today, give up. Or you're not the kind of person who can do this. You're, you know, lots of people come into our user base, have tried out the app and they're like, yeah, you know what? For the longest time, I've just felt like I'm bad with money and I have the story that I'm bad with money. Well, that's a persistent thought and that's your inner critic saying that. Mm. So, is there an alternative way? And 
there's a lot of kind of exploration and coaching around even identifying what what's the flavor of your inner critic, um, but then also what's an alternative. So and and practicing those. So there's, there's so many inner critics, aren't there? Yeah, <laughs> it's well, not just one voice, thing. isn't there? There's that's many the of them. Thing. And we probably watched our parents' mm. inner critics too. Mm. You know, um, I think we can't. We have to be kind toward our own brains, mm. right? The brain is designed to protect us. So a lot of it's like warning, anxiety, danger, keep us safe. Mm. You know, so there's a lot of negativity swirling in there. Um, but uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can actively work with your brain and change it. Yeah. You just have to support it and be self-compassionate and self-loving as you do it. And it doesn't have to feel natural and in fact won't feel natural. That's why you need a five minutes coach in your pocket every day because if you could do it naturally on your own, you already would. We'd all love not to have such a persistent inner critic and we'd love to support ourselves to achieve and do whatever we want including any habit change right we want that but that's not what our brains are designed to do so mm. we all deserve and need that little bit extra of support wiser is a neo lender what's a neo lender what's that mean yeah so wiser started out we're a purpose-led company focused on financial wellness mm-hmm. we started out doing lending because we saw a huge opportunity in australia where if you look at the UK and American markets where fintechs are much more advanced, they've taken about 40% of market share in those economies. And there's a lot more competition with the big banks there. Mm. Um, and in Australia, it's very much still a oligopoly. And that has both strengths and weaknesses. You know, very strong banking system. That's whether the GFC. So very strong banks. And that's fantastic. You know, that's a really good strength of the financial system and, here. And uh, big ownership in the in share portfolios of the banks as well. Big yeah. part of the, the stock market. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. And, you know... Much as we like to bitch about them. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they, they, they're an important part of yeah. the supers portfolios and everybody's mm. retirement yeah. and everything. So I think the banks do a fantastic job and are, are very important to the economy here. Mm. Um, but at the same time, because of the oligopoly, there's not as much competition. So the sense where in the area where consumers are really, really overpaying for credit and getting a very, very bad deal. So we saw that compared to the UK and the US and we thought, you know, there's a real opportunity for more competition, just consumers to get a better deal. And so we called ourselves a neo lender because really we're ethical lender and really thinking about how to make sure that you know, if someone can't afford it, then they don't get debt that is going to put them in hardship, right? Mm. Or, um, and that's going to kind of cause stress. So I think we take responsible lending really seriously and have always wanted to offer a fairer and smarter alternative to Australians. And that's why we're having this conversation today about financial health, because it's deeper than just financial services. There's accessing good financial services, whether it's credit or investment, or, you know, any rate payments, a range of different services. But ultimately, if we want to help financial wellness, we have to put the human at the center. And what is the problem here? The problem is that people have a vexed relationship with money and money habits that they like to improve, but that they can't. And so, yeah, it's the first money and psychology app that's out there. <laughs> and uh, we're really hoping that people give it a try. You know, it's very new because there's nothing else like it. 
Mm. So in some ways, it's hard to explain. Yep. But I think... Actually, yeah. I've got to admit that um, I was I actually got a lot more understanding of it talking to Betsy this morning, um, who introduced us. Betsy, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, financial coach, who's uh, wonderful. Hello, Betsy. Hi, Betsy. <laughs> and um, yeah, she was explaining it to me as well because um, again, it is it is a difficult concept to get your head around as well because we're so used to the idea that a financial institution is just about the numbers and about what you can afford to be loaned and uh, really is a system for making money within the financial services industry, but you're focusing more on the customer and the people and trying to improve their ability to run their financial lives as well and to understand themselves. Yeah, and I don't even think you need the goal of understanding yourself. I think it's just a simple analogy. Like in health, right, if we're thinking about our health and if we're not well, you know, we want to be healthier, we know that there's some behavior change required, right? We probably have to stop smoking, probably have to eat healthier, might need to, you know, change our exercise level. Yeah, we, or, all, we all know the basics, don't we? Yeah, yeah. exactly, mm. right? Nobody knows the basics in money. It's exactly the same thing. If I want to be financially healthier, I need to change my behaviors, right? But there's, there's just nothing out there. Like, what behaviors? You know, everybody's got a different constellation of money habits. Mm. But which ones... What are the ones that I want to work on? How do I work on that? You know, most of us have the experience of, I have no idea where my money goes. And by the way, the cost of living is really high, right? So I have all these behaviors around money. I don't know what they are. It's very hard to keep track of because they're unconscious. So it's not my fault that I'm not keeping track of it and I don't know, right? It takes a lot of, it takes very deliberate intervention to change that, to be like, okay, let's pick one habit and then the next habit, the next habit, we're going to work on one at a time. And then let's use the science of behavior change and actually help you do that. And then start seeing real results. And if we we're taking care of our health, we would know immediately that, you know, we need something to help us change our behavior. It's exactly the same thing in money. It's just the culture has completely not woken up to that so we're having that's the paradox of talk we're having a sideways conversation about something else that doesn't really matter what matters is our health and our financial health right because it's just our lives and don't be hard on yourselves yeah <laughs> so if people start using the app what kind of examples do you have of people saving money how much can how much money do people save well the average user saves thousands of dollars uh because they start rewiring habits one by one. And every single habit that we have adds up to thousands over the course of a year. So if you have a $100 a week habit, that's over $5,000 a year. Mm. And so usually about two to three habits is a difference between my having an emergency fund and not, or the difference between my having discretionary money to invest and grow versus not. So it's actually not as difficult as we all think how to achieve our goals and, and move forward it but it is about connecting every day to that so it's like okay which habits am i actually wanting to and would i be happier if i scale down and again i you know can't stress enough deprivation and negative reinforcement anything that feels bad doesn't get the brain to change so change happens when it feels good so by definition if you're going to change your habits and the change is happening, it is going to feel good. So the solution is find the paths of habit change that feel good, rewire one to three habits, and you're well on your way to achieving all of your financial goals. And so we've got all the financial coaching and the psychology coaching that you need, and it's five minutes a day, and it's a massive 
um, opportunity, really, and a, uh, a way of investing in yourself with very little cost. How can listeners find out more about Wiser? Well, go to our website or go to the App Store and so look at So it's Wiser without an E, isn't it? Yep, it's W-I-S-R. Go to the App Store and search Wiser today. It's on the Google Play Store and the App Store. Do a bit of digging. You can um, listen to the podcasts that are out there. You can have a look at our website. There's links to the podcast that we've done just to explain what the science is and what it's all about. And uh, you can read the reviews. And also, it's free to try. So there's a free trial period. Uh, it's a two-week feel, uh, free trial period. If you want to try an annual plan, you don't get charged until your free trial is finished. Um, and we remind you before so that you don't get caught in it. And uh, if you're wanting to go the month-to-month option, then you get a week free trial. Either way, you get to experience what the coaching feels like and see if you start saving money right away. Most of our users do. They start working on a habit right away and they are tracking it and noticing the change within a week or two. So experience it for yourself. Lily Sussman, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.